HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. I'm joined tonight by an all-star lineup, Jen Swartman from Blind Tiger, Greg Dorosky from Greenport Harbor Brewing, Chris O'Leary from Brew York, New York, and uh, Jeremy Cowan from Schmaltz Brewing, and a few other guests at the end. Well, it's uh, December 4th, 2012. Can you believe it's December? We've been through a lot in New York, Hurricane Sandy, and uh, we have some talk about relief tonight. Um, thanks to our sponsors, Great Brewers. But tonight we're still thinking about uh, Sandy and, and relief efforts in New York. People are out there still working the Rockaways. You forget what's going on. A special event tonight uh, is happening at Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, Jeremy Cowan's here. He's the president of the newly formed That's New York Cohen. City Cohen. Cowan. Cowan. <laughs> New York right. City Brewers right. Guild. Tonight there's a great event called uh, Drink for Good at Brooklyn Brewery, and many of us will be there. Uh, Jeremy, how are you? I'm fantastic. Happy holidays. Tell us about how you guys organized the, the relief event tonight. Uh, well, it was great. It was uh, an opportunity for the New York City Brewers Guild, the newly formed New York City Brewers Guild, to put together a fundraiser. There's been so many good causes and uh, so many people in need. And so uh, actually the folks, Maya and Ben at Brooklyn Brewery, uh, began the process and got the guild involved. And so we have almost all the breweries that have beer right now are pouring beer tonight at Brooklyn Brewery. Um, we've invited a slew of friends from Dogfish and Smutty Nose and Lagunitas and some others. And uh, tickets are 40 bucks. They're going to be available at the door at Brooklyn Brewery tonight. And the nice thing about this fundraiser is 100% of ticket sales goes to three different nonprofit organizations in the city, one for Red Hook, one for the Rockaways, and one for Coney Island. Great. And when people listen to the show over the next few weeks, what's the best way for them to, to donate after the fact? Definitely to uh, hit our Facebook page, and um, they can also email us off the website. Uh, the organizations are listed in the press release that's on our website, and, and it's ongoing. There's not going to be any any end to the need for people to uh, to get a little help over the holidays. So one thing interesting about the New York City Brewers Guild um, – you guys formed your your members are New York City breweries, correct? Yeah, some of whom have breweries and make their own beer, and some of whom contracted out to be made. 
And that's kind of the theme of the show tonight. That's why we have Greg from Greenport Harbor and Chris O'Leary from New York. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few months. Um, let's let's bring in Greg. Greg, you have something to say about it, and you had asked to have, host a show about contract brewing. Well, back when we were, I guess, talking about Long Island craft beer and local craft beer in general, the issue kind of came up talking about contract brewing. And uh, for me, uh, I, th- I think it's time, particularly for New York and metro area craft brewing, to, to kind of talk about contract brewing and just as an industry and as a, a group of breweries and as consumers, craft beer enthusiasts, just kind of first talk about contract brewing and also just kind of come to terms with the, the benefits and the, the costs of it. And Chris from Brew York, New York. Chris, what is contract brewing? Well, um, this is where it gets tricky because some people have different uh, perceptions of what contract brewing is. But in general, it's when you don't have your own brick-and-mortar brewery and someone else is doing your brewing for you. Um, that's that's the that's the hard fast definition of course we have other things like um a gypsy brewing which um is more a bit more hands-on perhaps so um i think that that also gets thrown into the equation um but um it it gets tricky (laughs) there are also and there are also situations where even um a brewer who has their own brick and mortar and they choose to well they instead of being able to expand their brewery endlessly um, they decide to utilize space and but don't but then go in in a gypsy fashion mm-hmm. where the brewer actually travels to that brewery and has figured out how to execute their recipes on that particular system because exactly. that's part of the that is part of the transition that is made it's not like these distinctions that we um that we taste in a beer that we know you know how it was brewed in their home little brew pub and then how it tastes when it comes out of a, a contract Mm. situation it's not because the contract brewers don't care or they're not trying or you know it's you know to scale these recipes up isn't as simple as just like just double it all and it all and it just gets bigger and it's miraculously the same exactly and it's a it's an issue of it's it can be a financial reason um it can be a matter of space and meeting demand um there are situations when you know Equipment is damaged and, you know, someone steps in and, and helps them brew at another facility. It's, it's, there are many, many reasons that it happens and it's not necessarily just that it's, um, you know, just advantageous for them to do and easier for them to do it. Right. Let's let Jeremy take the floor. <laughs> oh, well, Jeremy's a, got a great story. It's only been 16 years of contract brewing. I'm not sure what uh, what I'm still talking about on a given moment, but about this topic, I have a bit of experience. And yeah, I mean, the basic idea that came out of the 80s, 90s, and and more recently is that for folks who either didn't have the money or uh, didn't either possibly like me have the expertise or any experience, uh, but had an idea. Some other people who just didn't want to invest in uh, their own facility, um, whether that was for capital reasons or for uh, trying to really scale up their concept quickly, you go to a place that has a little bit of extra capacity or a lot of extra capacity, and it could be a it could be a tiny brewery that has a five barrel system that uh, you can brew on a couple days a week and buy your own little fermenter, and that could be Gypsy Brewing, or you can have them do it for you, which is contract brewing. 
um, all the way up to somebody like Sam Adams, Pete's Wicked Ale Scale, uh, where you know you're really taking advantage of these industrial breweries that had huge capacity from years past and can get you the kind of pricing that there's no chance that anybody at my scale could ever try to uh, to accomplish. So when you guys set up the New York City Brewers Guild. Uh, what, what what ground rules did you set up? I mean, there's some breweries in New York City. There's others that, that are breweries in name only. Right. The the nice thing, it was a, a great debate uh, discussion, really, uh, in the very beginning, because there are a lot of brewers that were either just starting or who'd been in it for years, like myself and Harlem Brewing, and um, that we, don't have, we didn't have our own breweries. I actually uh, qualified because my TTB permit for the world's smallest brewery at Coney Island, which unfortunately last month got washed away, but um, uh, my license is still there, so I can technically be in the Brewers Guild. And so that was the the rule, was you had to have your primary TTB license based in the city of New York. And the nice thing that we're going to do is we've opened it up so that breweries from the region um, and actually around the country can join the New York City Brewers Guild for a reduced cost and participate in our events, have their beers featured at festivals, uh, participate in our marketing efforts. And so, you know, there are guilds around the country that have made a different direction for themselves, but we wanted to be as expansive and as inclusive as possible because it is tough. I mean, even the, uh, the largest breweries that we all love in the city um, do a lot of contract brewing or gypsy brewing, depending on what your perspective is. And you know, we're not in in it for the debate. We're in it for celebrating great beer and making these small businesses grow and succeed, and helping the retailers and uh, the wholesalers through the channel uh, have a good time and have. So great let's products. let's focus on the beer you brought. This is I like the spirits, the hot mana. Yep. The Hebrew IPA. That is our that is our uh, contract brewed world beer championship <laughs> American IPA category gold gold medal winner this year, and uh, it's the first permanent new item we've put out in four years. Uh, it's was intended to be a straight classic, but our take on American IPA, uh, 6.5% alcohol, 65 IBUs. You went through a few different recipes, as I recall, we to did. get to this yeah, final last, product, yeah, right? But, yeah. What was the sequence on that? People ask us if we do test batches and have a pilot system all the time, and we actually don't. Uh, until the world's smallest brewery, which was only one gallon at a time, the, lar- the smallest batch we'd ever done was 100 barrels of beer, which is a lot of beer, 1,400 cases. So Paul Mackerlane has um, been my brewer, my master brewer since 2003. Yeah, he really, the thing with Jeremy's contract situation is that he was really met with serendipity meeting Paul who came with the facility, as I recall, yeah, right? Absolutely. And and took a liking to you, I'm sure, and also appreciated your concept and the fact that now he had a chance to really flex his creative muscle absolutely. and his skill set because um, I don't think you would have been able to execute some of the crazy stuff you've pulled <laughs> off. Um, uh, you know, considering I never was a brewer and I can't cook for myself, I think that's probably a fair uh, fair way to think about so, it. So um, Paul really it. is a brewmaster, yeah. and you really lucked out. Oh, my God. I say it I all, mean, every day, all the time. I count my blessings because uh, I come to him with an idea like this IPA was was um, not the craziest recipe we do, for sure. But the idea was to make our mark on a category that, as we all know, fastest growing, uh, most kind of most uh, prestigious category of beer right And now. one that you hadn't tapped into either. And it's strange that for a craft ale company, we never had a regular old IPA. And so we definitely did not want to mess that up. And uh, so we did four test batches last year. Again, all 100 barrels each. So it's a lot of beer. 
Um, and we just kept changing the malt profile, changing the hop profile. Paul and I would taste them together. But actually, this was the first time I got the entire Schmaltz Brewing tribe involved. And our whole company sat around and we tasted all of the lovely IPAs from uh, the West Coast, from San Diego, from the East Coast and the Midwest. And decided what direction we wanted to take the malt profile, the hop profile. So, Jeremy, by all means, then you're a brewer. You, you own a, a, a brewing brand, but you just don't own actual brewery. I mean, I am totally comfortable because this debate uh, makes certain people actually pretty emotional and other people d- couldn't care less. I'm totally comfortable with whatever somebody wants to feel about it uh, because every morning I have to wake up and schlep in the beer world anyway. So we got to go sell more beer. And I love the creative side. And um, I love the uh, the flavors that we're able to come up with. And I love the fact that I can be the, I used to describe myself as the English major behind the brewmaster, and I come up with, hey, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did 16 different malts and 16 different hops and added 16 different additions 16%. over a 256-minute <laughs> boil, and it's 16% alcohol, and it sits before us on the table. Um, and uh, it was 14-hour brew days for the brewers at Old Saratoga, who, uh, if you think about contract brewing, a 14-hour brew day and a 256-minute boil, there's that, no way. That's some dedication <laughs> in, just, in contract. <laughs> it's unbelievable what they're willing to do for us and what they're able to create. Well, this this beer is great. You know, it's, it's great. It's nice and citrusy. You know, there's a nice malt backbone to it. And when I when Jimmy and I started talking about discussing contract brewing, it wasn't necessarily to say that contract brewed beer is bad or that beer brewed in a brewery that brews all their own beer is better. It's just to kind of bring that discussion out and kind of... I think honesty is a really big factor Absolutely. in this. And yeah. the problem I have had over the years are with breweries that really try to sweep it under the rug, ignore it, and lie about it. Yeah. And uh, I won't name names, but it has annoyed me no end. Absolutely. And if they, you know, I think that it's fair enough to say, hey, we had no idea we were going to be as successful as we, as we are when we when we built our little facility if we had had any idea that this market was going to do what it's doing maybe we would have built a different you know been able to make more of our beer in our home territory but we we can't afford to just expand in a city like new york city and and take on square footage you know so there's a reason and that's okay but just be honest with your yeah. consumer base so everybody knows what the deal is and then people won't feel duped and well, I, I, I think for me that that's a really big issue that honesty because i do feel like there's some disingenuous marketing that that's going on um if only by omission and uh exactly you know not to call particular breweries out because this isn't about you know a witch hunt it's also about expressing you know i am a brewer and you know it's something that i love and as a brewer for me, it's kind of a twofold issue the contract brewing thing that ultimately gets me to the point where I think transparency is important. For me, the emotional issue is that I feel like contract brewing kind of almost cheapens what I do every day. You know, I'm the guy who's in the brewery for the 14-hour brew day brewing beer, and that's something that I love to do. It's something that I've devoted my life to doing, and I do think that is a little bit different than a beer the beer that comes out of our brewery is a little bit different, not better. It's just different than beer that comes out of a, a contract setting. You know, 
there's kind of a more philosophical issue that I think also warrants consideration um, by moving production of the beer outside of the brewery. I think, you know, you move the brewer out of the brewery, the contract brewery, you move the production process out, and it's almost like you have a recipe in the beginning and then the beer at the end. And that process in the middle is what makes us as a craft product unique. Greg, let me jump in. Greg, so at at Greenport Harbor Brewing, you're on the east end of Long Island. Yep. What size barrel system do you Uh, have? We have a 15-barrel brew house, uh, five 30-barrel fermenters, and uh, actually we just – and when, uh, you, when you want to make new beers, do you do it on the big system or do you uh, do Yeah, we do system? it on the, the same thing. It's a big system. Our, we have about a 1,200-square-foot production space. Um, you know, we're moving stuff in at the beginning of the day, you know, moving it out in the beginning of the day, moving it back in at the end. So what do you so do? Do you feel no like room. because you have that your own small brewery that you're more flexible about making new beers or more experimenting? More yeah. Yeah, I, I think all of us have a very kind of intimate connection to the ingredients we use and also the, the process. And, uh, you know, it's it's just different. You know, we do have very much the same process of putting together a recipe of sitting down and taking great beers that we like and discussing them and kind of theoretically putting together a recipe and uh, refining it over time on, on the system. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of factors involved, including the care that goes into making the beer Absolutely. and the recipe and everything. But what beer did you bring? Okay, so I brought uh, our winter seasonal antifreeze. It's uh, it's uh, English Old Ale. Uh, whoop, sorry. Awesome. I love this style. This is great. This is one of the best things about winter beers, man. Yeah. It's just the, it's the best time to drink it and the best time to enjoy it. So the Greenport Harbor well, antifreeze. 60 degrees outside yeah. today. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, in New York. And that's even better for a California boy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, well, let, as we drink the antifreeze from Greenport Harbor, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few moments on Beer Sessions Radio. This song's called Off My Mind by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Now, that's my kind of song. That was a really great <laughs> little number. 
I love it. I love it. And I, and, I, and I'll say this: you should be a member of Heritage Radio Network. It keeps it keeps everything going. We've got a great studio here out at Roberta's in Bushwick, and uh, there's an engineer and a, a, a executive producer and a director, and uh, we're reaching people from England to California, and it's a. I'm really proud to be part of the Heritage Radio Network. So uh, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org, and become a member. I'm a member. I think I'm member number 55 or something. I think I'm actually member number one, <laughs> which is what I should be. And uh, that's cool. You know, we've been talking about a lot of things. Uh, the the sub-message here, it's still in New York. It's uh, Sandy Relief. There's a great event uh, at Brooklyn Brewery tonight, which is kind of one of the first big events that New York City Brewers Guild will do. And New York, New York City Beer Week is coming up in February, right? Yes, absolutely. So, Jeremy, give us the scoop on that because we've already got tickets for our New York City Brewers Choice up. Yes, and, and it's, uh, there's yay. been a lot of questions, and so it's a good opportunity to uh, straighten a, th- a few things out. We had a launch party in May when we started the Guild, and we took over um, the Guild, the nonprofit organization that is the Guild. It's the 12 active members of the breweries in New York City, took over leadership of New York City Beer Week from Josh and Chris, who did an amazing job for four yeah. years of creating this thing from scratch and uh, and really shepherding it into this wonderful, wonderful event in New York City. So the Guild now... Um, is raising money and also uh, has uh, signed a media contract with a sponsor with the Village Voice, which we're really excited about. So the Beer Week, uh, we moved the dates to the end of February, beginning of March, February 22nd to March 3rd. And we'll have, you know, hopefully three, four, five hundred events in New York City featuring fantastic craft beer from breweries in the city, as well as breweries from all over the region, all over the country, all over the world. And the goal this year will be um, in the past, we had the Passport, which was a fun way to go explore the city. This year, we're going to move away from the Passport towards just really featuring great events. It's going to be less about getting a buck or so off of a beer in a neighborhood and more about bringing out what's really special, doing things that are uh, adding to the value of your experience of craft beer in New York City. And obviously, Brewer's Choice is an example of that that's going to be on Wednesday, right? Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday, February 27th. You can go to goodbrewsseal.com or nycbrewerschoice.com for tickets. And what's the official site for the New York City Brewers Guild? Uh, I think it's, it's oh, you got you nailed me on the website address because <laughs> it's didn't either say it NYC, it's either, and just Google New York City Beer Week. And uh, I can't remember what we ended up with NYC or New York City spelled out. It was a funny conversation over beers, uh, of course, with the Guild. Um, but the uh, the exciting part about it is we've moved into the middle of winter because retailers were a little concerned in September. They were already pretty busy. Things were kind of hectic. And this is an opportunity for retailers to get something special on the books, um, make a few extra bucks during a kind of quieter time in New York where there's a little less going on. It's also uh, San Francisco Beer Week on the uh, West Coast the beginning of February. And that's always a big bash. And a lot of us head out there. Um, and then we get people to come out for New York City Beer Week now. And so it's fun to have those two in parallel. And luckily, you get a week to sleep and rest and rehydrate. Well, th- thanks for catching us up to speed. I know a lot of people asked about it. It's pretty bold to move the whole week. I know, I know that it was established in, in New York in September. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah, we'll have an opening night party um, that we're going to finalize details here pretty shortly. And then Brewer's Choice will be our marquee food and beer pairing event during the week. And then we'll have a closing uh, hangout session uh, that'll be a little bit more casual with, again, uh, a selection of wonderful beers for anybody who can survive the week and make it to Sunday. All right. Well, that's, you know, we're going to rest up for that one, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's more than a week, too. It's like 15 it's 10 days. days. 10 days. Yeah, yeah. But that's why we're in the beer business. We're survivors. 
We like professionals, to professionals. So we're drinking this crazy antifreeze, antifreeze from. It's uh, not Greenport poisonous, Oregon. right? It's strong. Yeah. Well, it's all it's seven and a, seven and a half percent alcohol. Um, nice and malty. I think you get some some nice dark fruit uh, from it. Definitely. Maybe. Echoes of. I can't believe no one took that name before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, that's such a no-brainer. Well, it's, for I, a Christmas beer, I get antifreeze know? in my car. Yeah. But this isn't thing. blue. It's oh, a, it's a not. Nice oh, this is beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and on air, do we have Dan Paquette on the air right now? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Dan. So, talking about contract brewing, gypsy brewing, and, and other other things going on. So, you, you've been a gypsy brewer in Massachusetts. Uh, we got Jeremy from uh, Schmaltz. We got Greg from uh, Greenport Harbor. Jen Swartman and uh, Chris O'Leary here. So, how you doing? Great. Uh, I'm doing fabulous, yeah, winding down uh, 2012 and the brewing calendar, so that's good. Well, you know we love your beers, and unfortunately we don't get to see enough of them in New York City. True. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I want to join in the conversation. Um, if anyone wants to ask Dan a question, you know, your gypsy brewer, you know, how does that fit into, you know, the world of brewing? How, well, did, we- you, how did you get started, and where? Um... Well, actually, it's funny. Uh, you heard you talking about Paul McElaine a little while ago, and um, you know, I got started in uh, professional brewing in 1992, and I think 93, I worked under Paul for about a year and a half. Um, That's and awesome, then, uh, and I didn't even know that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's really that cool. Was that it was up up in Lowell, Massachusetts. Sure, he was yep. a he was a diamond in the rough back then, <laughs> um, and I think it took him a took him a few breweries to find his place and uh i'm re- I'm really happy where he is uh now and what he's what he's up to so but uh yeah, I bounced around, went from uh breweries going out of business to the next brewery going out of business uh, settled in one place for you five were ahead years. of your time oh, the 90s. <laughs> yeah and Dan, you were in my yeah. hometown too he, he was at Haverhill Brewing in Haverhill Massachusetts. I was yeah, I was yeah then i went i I worked in the north of England for a few years. And then we decided to move back to Boston. And I don't know if you know, but, you know, there hasn't been a really a brewery opening here in about a decade. So uh, there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't any real work for me. So my wife and I had $8,000, and we drew a label. And we asked a friend if we could use their brewery, and we made one batch of beer. And uh, Was it Jack Door? And it's kind of Jack Door, yeah. 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 And it's... Uh, Four years later, you know that original investment. We never, we never went out and found any other money, but that the profits from that went out, went on to make, you know, allow us to make the second and the third. And you know, we just brewed. We're at the hundred barrel size now, and I'm, you know, Mark is my assistant brewer, and um, and uh, we just brewed Jack Door Forty Nine. So, so where are you we're guys? Pretty happy, Dan. Tell us a little bit since we're talking about contract brewing and all that. Tell us what facility you're brewing out of, and what's your relationship to that brewery. Um, we're brewing at the Buzzards Bay Brewery in uh, Westport, Mass., down on the south coast, about an hour and a half south of Boston. Beautiful farm, kind of similar to Omega Gang in a lot of ways um, in setting. And, and uh, you know, I've known Bill Russell. I used to buy, uh, he's a winemaker. He has a really nice vineyard there. Uh, I used to buy wine barrels from him in the mid-'90s to make sour beers and whatnot. So I kind of kind of knew him. And when the uh, when the opportunity came where they had a, a lot of space opening up in their brewery for someone to do something, it was it was good for us. We actually started another brewery. We use the term tenant brewer now because we don't really prance around the different 
markets and places. We just we're pretty much Martha and I are driving down to Westport, you know, two to three times a week making beer. So tenant brewery that 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 really makes sense. I've seen that happening with a lot of other people. Um, so do you think that there are a number of breweries out there that have extra space? So that other young brewers could come in and start their own line? No, no, that's no. <laughs> no space. That's the thing. I mean, I keep on. I get emails every day. Hey, I want to do what you do. Well, I said the first thing you have to do is find a, you know, a, a brewery that makes really awful beer and they're not doing well. And they might. Well, let me list them. We've got. Bro- <laughs> listen, I'm not off. I mean, Bronx Brewing is 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 renting part of Cottrell's uh, in Connecticut. Yep. Chris, you know this. Yep. Uh, Clown Shoes is something going on up in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Anchorage, which yeah. is this really hip brewery, is doing something at Midnight Sun mm-hmm. in Alaska. So, there, I mean, there's some out there. Maybe those are the only ones I know. What's but. kind of interesting is a lot of these gypsy brewing situations, I think, Dan, you, I mean, feel free to disagree, but sometimes the more widely known beer out of the brewery is actually the gypsy beer rather than the, the, you know, the, the main brand that originated there. Yeah, I mean that's 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 probably true at Buzzards Bay right now. Yeah, I mean um, just near just and, into Rhode Island. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's it. I mean, I think it was a there was a particular time of, of just a few years ago there was a bit of a lull, and uh, we 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 hit it at exactly the right moment. And you know, if uh, if Buzzards Bay decided, you know, hey, we're going to go for it again, do our own stuff. You know, Martha and I would be out. You know, would would be without out of home. Really, I mean, I don't. I I, I can't think of anyone else in uh, uh, within striking distance for us to go brew that would uh, allow us in and allow us the space and the freedom that we have. So yeah, it's especially hard right now. I mean, even in the '90s, there was uh, a lot of opportunities for contract brewing on the East Coast in particular, most of those breweries sure. either got bought or disappeared and got sold for scrap. And uh, in the 2000s, especially the later 2000s, as East Coast beer really came up and got its legs and, and started making flavors that were interesting and unique and, and could stand with the Midwest and the West Coast, that capacity mm-hmm. disappeared. And so right now in Massachusetts, though, there are tons of breweries that popped up. I noticed at uh, Extreme Beer Fest and at, at uh, American Beer Fest in Boston, um, at a couple of facilities there at Paper City and at Mercury. Um, yeah. And it does give people a chance to get started. I mean, I started with $2,000, and that only got me yep. 100 cases of beer and two, 1,200 <laughs> labels. It was 1996, so printing color labels was yeah. really expensive then. And we hand-bottled it and hand-labeled it, and I drove it around in my grandmother's car, which was not included in the budget. And, uh, you know, that that's a way that a lot of people get started. And then, um, yeah. you know, for me, it's kind of what you do with it. Contract brewing could be, to me, it, it can be one perspective, and I'm totally comfortable with all of them. It can be that pr- certain people feel very proprietary about the walls and about the water and about yeah. uh, the yeah. land underneath them. And other people, um, you know, is a food truck versus a uh, pop-up um, interesting restaurant that's that's kind of started happening these days versus a regular mm-hmm. you know brick-and-mortar restaurant. They'll all have their perspective. And to me, in brewing, it's about what the beer tastes like. But I'm also open to, yeah. to different perspectives. Dan, one thing. So just to give us more perspective on what you're doing, so at the brewery Buzzards Bay, how big is that brewery and how much of it or how, you know, give us a sense of what you're, you're doing there and how much of the brewery you're using and time-wise and everything. Okay, so... Um Right now in the brewery there, we've got 
four, four of the tanks are ours. The other, the other one's empty, and it's going to be ours on Thursday because we're brewing a lager. Um, so that's the so, entire brewery? Five tanks? I'm sorry? How many tanks are in the brewery? Um, there's, well, there's a total of six. There's a total of six. So you're, you're almost so, using the entire brewery right now. Yeah, right now. You know, uh, you know, it's, you know, Buzz's Bay closes in, uh, in January for various reasons. Um, so we're, we're trying to get a lot of beer in there to, uh, to get us through. So when, you know, January 27th, when we walk in the door, um, we're back on track immediately. <laughs> so we're brewing a lot. You know, like I said, it's a 50 barrel system. I brew, uh, twice in a day, it's about 30, 13 hours with Martha. We, we can fit about 116 barrels of Jack Door into a tank. And, uh, you know, that's how we do it. And, you know, we're somewhere over, I don't know, if we're going to be somewhere around 4,400 knocked out barrels this year, Martha and Mesa. That's so so you're cool. working like the brewery. So then they come back and, and then they use their brewery more later in the, in the winter? You know, um, their time there, their season is, is really the summer, so in the summertime they'll have a couple of tanks full. But, you know, I, I don't really know too much about their business, so I don't want to, I don't want to comment. I, I think they have a great lifestyle, and they make just enough beer to do what they, what they want to do. Do they I have a pub, or do they distribute? I, I'm not familiar with Buzzards Bay, honestly. Um, they used to be uh, wide, you know, widely distributed in New England, and uh, they were an all lager brewery. Now they they have a new brand. Again, I'm not really comfortable because I, I don't yeah, really know. No, no, I'm Dan. Curious. Well. I was just really to see more about the experience of you guys going into an existing brewery and using some of their facilities. Hey, guess what? Uh, stay on with us, Dan. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes, and uh, you're on Beer Sessions Radio. Okay. All right. Yeah. This one's called Sweet Talk by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here at Roberta's in Bushwick, one of my favorite restaurants in New York. And thanks, Joe. Uh, I love hearing the music that you guys play here. Well, again, become a member. Uh, go to heritageradionetwork.org. You can support all the shows. There's so many great shows, and uh, I am so happy to be here. We've got a great crowd tonight. Um, we're talking about contract brewing, tenant brewing, gypsy brewing, a little bit of the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of uh, actually making beer that so many of us like. Um, Greg from Greenport Harbor, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I, I think what's really great about what Pretty Things is doing um, is that, Dan, you guys are really involved in the process, and it's very easy yeah. to focus on, you know, the quality of, of the beer. And even though that ranks really high with the consumer, I think particularly with a, a craft product, the process matters. And it's not just the, the product. It's the people. It's the place. It's everything involved with, with crafting this beer. Um, 
that's important. And I, I think you see some of the same stuff even within gypsy brewing or tenant brewing where there's different expressions of it. You know, you, you see some self-described gypsy brewers who really are just giving recipes to other breweries to brew and then something like you guys do, which is really you guys are just using their space and doing as everything yourself. Yeah, as no, ex- exactly. And it really is exactly like what we're doing, except you don't own the space. Well, that's what I tell everybody. You know, I've worked in this business for 20 years and I've never owned a brewery, but I've never, I've never, you know, uh, had to prove that I was the brewer because I was always in there wet and stuff like, you know, yeah. I was always the guy making the beer, uh, even though I didn't own, and, th- and thank God I didn't, to be to be fair, because they're a lot of business, but... Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm doing exactly what I've been doing for a long time. Um, the, o- the only difference is uh, that I'm also out there sort of selling it now, too, you know. Well, and that's not just a minor difference. I mean, I, I'll just play devil's advocate for the sake of it because I actually don't have a chip on my shoulder about this. I've been called a lot of things, having a dancing rabbi and circus sideshow freaks on our labels for 16 years. But the uh, the thing about contract brewing, though, is um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things about being a beer company in addition to the production process. And so while I totally agree, I love the, the craft part of it, the people that are involved in it and the passion and the – craftsmanship um that's why i went to such talented brewers to get my beer made and i agree in the 90s if you saw a silly dancing frog flipping off somebody on a t-shirt and that was a mediocre golden ale or lager that was just packaged and had no thought put into the brewing process that that i could see as uh pushing people the wrong direction but you know right now contract brewing is more dynamic than ever and a lot of people are able to do things that they never would be able to do even if they owned their own brewery because we're able to, uh, you know, produce a hundred barrels. We actually produced four hundred and fifty barrels of this beer that we're drinking, Jubilation. And there's no chance. I mean, this beer took so long to make, and as the the scale of making that beer, if we tried to make it on a fifteen barrel system, we just never would make is it. Is this the new Jubilation? Yeah, this is the Sweet Sixteen. Just came out this so month. So, what's your your strategy? Is that you feel like for the holidays, what brewers should make? Special beers, more expensive beers. Well, that's what that's what I loved about antifreeze. Is it's this time of the year? It's such a delicious style to be able to share with people. And uh, so this one's you know it's sixteen malt, sixteen hops, sixteen percent alcohol. And yes, Jimmy, there are dancing unicorns and cupcakes on the label this year. All right. I love unicorns. Hey, we have another guest on too. So Dan Puckett's on from Pretty Things, and John from Greenport. Are you on the line too? <laughs> John. I am. I am. Yeah, John. I mean, the the first question. I know you're the co ever. the co owner of Greenport Harbor, but what's your last name? Leegee. Leegee. I only know you as John of Greenport Harbor. <laughs> Not John anymore. Now you know. Leegee. Yeah. You know, I just for me, it's just kind of echoing on some of the conversation you guys are having. Is where's the center of craft room? Where's the heart of it? And I get the 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 effort, the you know, investment and. To me, that is about getting involved in making that beer because when you go out and start talking about your beer, that's where the conversation usually like lands. Like, just what? What did you do? What did you? You know, where? Where did that happen? What? You know, how did you come up with that? There's so many like detailed questions, and that's the excitement. It's like food. It's like you know anything that you connect with in a passionate way. You want details, and I think that's where we're at. We're you know we're in the middle of an expansion year. We're getting into a bigger space. And people say, is that for scale? And we say, no, we're basically, as a small brewery, being forced into making some of our more popular styles. And we like to make a lot of different styles. So we need to expand in order to, you know, bring 
more varied beer to our like you know portfolio. So I think there's there's so many different like issues there, and I think what you know Greg is talking about, what some of the guys in the room are talking about, is really just the transparency of this and what it means. Because you know, I mean, we hit a, a heat wave in the summer where we flushed I don't know like sixty barrels of beer, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, and we, it's like, we dumped two batches down the drain. That doesn't happen when you're when you ship your beer out. You know, when it's being shipped somewhere else, that is something uh, you undertake that, as a small that actually, brewery. That actually does happen, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. You're absolutely not right. in I every mean, situation. I mean, you don't but... usually take the exposure to it like that that you would if you are sending a recipe. I'm not saying if you're up there as a gypsy brewer making it yourself and something goes haywire that you're not responsible. But there is there's fundamental differences between. I mean, there's two local breweries we have that are going to beat us to packaging, and they're a year old. And the only reason is because we won't like contract out our packaging. So it's just that's the and there's the, for us. It's an important distinction for us. So John, one thing. You know, so whether or so, not that holds work. With, with so you guys are growing, John. You're growing. You have demand for some of your popular brands. Uh, are there any other options for you, like besides expanding? Um, contracting, you know, I think that that is an option. I mean, we could be, we could have been in packaging, you know, last year, a few years ago. We're, we're happy to be expanding. I mean, listen, listen, I'm not, there is no way I'm complaining about this because we feel very fortunate to like being able to grow and to bring more beer, you know, out from Greenport. But on the same token, we are leveraging ourselves to the hilt. All right, we got a lot of people in this room, and, and they covered a lot of points on this issue. It's already over my head. So let's just get back to basics. <laughs> okay, everybody, including John and Dan, it can be your beer or someone else. I'm going to start with Dan, then John, then we'll go around the room. Tell us your favorite beer that you had this weekend. Dan. Oh, boy, this weekend. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say my own because we were trapped in with a sick cat most of this weekend. Um so uh, our finest regards. It's our uh, it's our winter it's our winter off offering. It's a it's it sounds like it's a bit like antifreeze. It's an English uh, inspired, very malty, ten and a half percent barley wine. All right, John. And what was your favorite beer from the weekend? You know, I, I hope you drank beer, beer man. Don't <laughs> kick right now. I I we were at the um, uh, at Spring Lounge and we were drinking this. Like, they had a chocolate mint thing that I was like, this doesn't, what the hell is this? Like, it was it tasted like chocolate milk. It was, I thought it was fantastic. So, the, the stone um, mint, mint uh, chocolate imperial yeah. stout. Wow. Jen, this what about you? It's unique, so. I, um, well, we had VSK a week ago, but that wasn't the weekend. Over the That's weekend, probably. You can't uh, talk Kunin, about yeah. those <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you can't count it. Yeah. Um, so, Coonan's uh, Double Rice IPA. An award-winning wow. um, double IPA from them. Jeremy? Oh, I, f- I feel so guilty going because I have this giant 16% beer in front of me by saying that uh, I really enjoyed the Thyme uh, Pale. It's on cask at Italy oh, the other day. I brought some good. friends by. And then I also I just love Carton's, uh, but what do they call it? Their boat the beer. The boat, oh, yeah. I, I call it a hoppy culture or whatever, but that's that's just a I sweet, call it that too. delicious drinkable but beer. But they hate, they don't like to put it in a category. Yeah, it's all right. I, don't, I believe in not believing in categories. How about you, Jimmy? Well, let's go to Greg. How about Greg? I don't know. I... I uh, I know I had an Allagash confluence this weekend, which I really liked. Uh, also, I'll, I'll throw out two at the same event uh, with John the uh, the smutty Baltic Porter. Where'd you go to Spring Lounge or Mark? yeah, Spr- yeah. Spring Lounge, spring. the chili cookoff. Who uh, won this chili cookoff? Empire 
but just because they had a lack of appreciation of the sausage. Because I Empire, they were really into elk and alligator. Empire brought their own chef down and cooked we, it. We had the one-handed chili, though, which was a, a sausage that I uh, crafted in, in my kitchen. And uh, John made a relish for it, and uh, people just didn't get it. We're ahead of our time. I miss this. A great, you know, <laughs> this weekend in New York, we had so many cool beer events. Uh, Spite and Dival had something. Jimmy's number 43 had something with Belgians. Mugs had their big Belgian events. But this event at Spring Lounge, the, the, it's like, the, what, the brewery reps make chili? Yeah. So who else? There was Lagunitas, right? Yeah, it was Lagunitas, Empire, uh, Omegang, Smutty. There were, there were 12 different breweries there. Wow. That's um, amazing. So it was... It's always good to hang out with everyone, you know. We, we kind of see each other and pass in all the time, and it's good to kind of... this New York City beer scene friendly keeps competition growing, over a lot of beer. Chris, what was your favorite beer from the weekend? Uh, um, you know what? I had it when I was sitting right next to you, Jimmy. Uh, the, uh, the Midnight Sun... Um, the Panty inappropriately peeler? named Panty Peeler. It was a pretty damn good American triple. They're awesome Belgian triple. American yeah. take on a triple. And, and I, I had also I had I had the Duranki XX. I had that. I love it. it. It it's dry. It's hoppy. It's six percent. It tastes like it's stronger than that. I love that beer. Another great one. So what a weekend in beer in New York. I mean, I was just at Mugs today, and they still have all their Belgians on. It's crazy. And New York is just amazing. We're, we're going to give a shout out to some people in the room. Talking about events again tonight. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brewery and New York City Brewers Guild. Uh, everyone's still raising money for hurricane relief. Uh, we did an event right after uh, the hurricane for our meet week. And, and uh, Melissa Dane, uh, she's paid $375 for a craft beer day with Jimmy. She's here today. Melissa, just say hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and anyway, she's an awesome supporter. And her check went directly to Rockaway Beach LLC, uh, care of Harry at the Brooklyn Kitchen. And uh, that's what we were doing with that event. And Julie, Julie Barnard, uh, you're a, a beer enthusiast. You've been on the show a lot. You've been out in the Rockaways almost every day. I have been. I've been. Uh, I'm in the 20 plus days of volunteering for Sandy Recovery Efforts, uh, Staten ha- Island. And you have an event that sold out. But tell us about the. I event. do actually. It just sold out. So it's next Saturday, the 15th, at CrossFit South Brooklyn. I've managed to rope in uh, in partnership with Danielle from Brooklyn Homebrew, ten of the best homebrewers in New York. They're going to be pouring for us. It's three hours of homebrew and raffles and live auction, and uh, I think it's going to be it's a really good time. Yeah, and it sold out so fast that I couldn't even get tickets. Do you know what? Actually, <laughs> I, I'm starting to take a wait list. Okay, I'm actually starting to take a wait list. I on, so on I will take your name list. before I go. But we chose uh, two really, really great um, charities to work with, and the Graybeards. Strictly, we're doing Rockaways, so uh, the Graybeards, and then. Um, the Rockaway Rescue Alliance, and they actually were given, uh, I believe, Rockaway Tacos Kitchen for the time being to provide hot food. That's great. Yeah, thank you. All right, and Jen, anything in closing or anything special you want to talk about? No, Merry Christmas. You're See awesome. Season. <laughs> we're getting there. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about shopping. And Jeremy, do your come on. Hanukkah. Let's go. Sorry, Hanukkah this weekend. Yeah. My God, Happy people. Hanukkah too. Happy season. Hanukkah. So much shopping. All right, Greg and at John and Dan. Thanks for coming on. And I'll push one more time uh, for New York City Beer Week. Tickets are on sale now for the New York City Brewers Choice. Go to NewYorkCityBrewersChoice.com. You will find some of the fine brewers in in America there. Uh, also with food. I love that event. It's awesome. And Scott Ficarro from Captain Lawrence is our keynote speaker. Right which on. Which is fun as hell. We, all right. we always talk about Brewer's Choice as one of our most favorite events. Mm-hmm. You know, even from the first year we did it, it was just, 
It's it was fun. awesome to see all of our kind of idols there pouring it's beer. It's phenomenal and... because the brewers have yeah. to be there to participate. Exactly. And so that's one that people forget that. But that's it's a room full of the brewers who brew their beer. So you get to make contact with those people. Already D- Dave Yarrington from Smutty Nose. Bill Herlicker from uh, White Birch, uh, Scott Vicar from Captain Lawrence, we've got et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have to just turn away some brewers. There's just too many brewers, but it's it's a night of brewers, not just their beers, and we try to make it what what we think your night out in New York should be, and that's what we love about doing beer sessions radio and the Good Beer Seal. I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio supported by the Good Beer Seal. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at, at Beer underscore Sessions. And I'll give a shout out again. Check out Heritage Radio Network. You're on it. You're listening to it. It's at Heritage underscore Radio. You can become a member too. Thanks to Greg, Chris, Jeremy, Julie, Jen, Dan, and John. John Legey for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Beer Week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>